you gotta come get the password. He's healed. Yeah. Because everything is extremely loud and Ella is
Good morning, New Hope Community Church. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm sorry for the delay, but we had technical difficulties, but God is still here, right? So I'm excited today, and I'm excited to step into the presence of God, and I'm excited for God to move, and I hope you guys are excited too. The past two days here has been crazy and amazing, and God has been moving and making ways in this church. And I still feel the presence is here from the past two days. And I know God is going to move. And I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. It's been crazy, you guys don't understand. This whole weekend, none of our lights worked. Zero. We had no lights this whole weekend. Everything was dark. We had no clue what was going on. This morning we came in, no lights were working. We had no clue what was going on. But four minutes before service, lights turned on. Don't ask me, I don't know, but God, right? But God. Last night, we had, to, we had to disconnect all our stuff for worship because another team came in. This morning, I had to set everything back up, and that's hectic. But we are here, right? And God is still here. So I ask that you guys will stand up this morning and join me as we get ready to give our God honor this morning because our God is big and our God is great, and our God is ready to make a change. And if you're ready to surrender your life, I guarantee our God is going to give you a change, right? So I ask that you guys just... Be open this morning. You know, if you're not afraid, come step it up. This area is open. This isn't just for Pastor Rick, his wife, and my wife. This isn't just for Judah and Jeremiah. This is for everybody. Everybody can come up here and move around and dance and get into the spirit, right? So don't be afraid to step past this line because you want to be back there. No, our God is here. Our God is in his building this morning, and he is waiting for us to step out. He is waiting for us to act the fool because most people are afraid to step out into the calling of God. So let us step out to his presence this morning. Let's give him all our God. Let's give him all we got this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this building, Father. And I ask that you just clear our minds and clear our hearts as we get ready to enter and worship, Father. Father, there was so much going on this morning, but that does not stop the fact that you are our God. So, Father, I ask that you just clear our minds right now and clear our hearts right now so we can receive you and only you this morning. Father, we want you to make aware in our lives, Lord. We want the blessings that you have, Lord. But we can't receive those until we deny ourselves and put ourselves down, put ourselves in the grave so that you can fill us up with your love and your spirit, Lord. So, Father, let us deny ourselves today. Let us not think of our own mind, but think of you. Fill us up, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
love you guys. But like in the beginning of worship, they said, hey, why don't you all come up and let's worship around the altar. And everybody stood there like, nah, we're not doing it. The Bible says you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So like, what are we here for? Are we not here to get into his presence? So don't be scared, come up. Like, get out of your rut. Like, get out, like, you didn't come here to just stand here like a statue. Stand here like a bump on the ground and be like, I'm not moving. I'm going to stand here. Come up and get into the presence of God. Lift your hands. Raise your voice. Jesus is here. He's real. Yes. Yes. How are you going to break through your problems? How are you going to break through addictions? How are you going to reach your community and change the world if I can't get up and enter into worship? So that's an invitation. That's an invitation to come up and worship. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to drag you. But your heart should say, you know what? I want more of that. I want to touch heaven. I want Jesus to touch me. So let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just raise our voices together? What do you got to be thankful for today? Maybe that you made it here. Maybe that God woke you up this morning. Maybe that you got breath in your lungs. You can see, you can hear, you can feel. And I don't even care. Maybe everything went wrong for you that could go wrong. And maybe you're down and, and you're feeling defeated. But guess what? You made it here today. And that's a victory. Because we serve a God who's the God of the turnaround, the God of the breakthrough, the God who does miracles, the Savior, the healer, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and the soon coming King. So let's try one more time. Let's just give him gratitude in the place. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my home. Go ahead. Lift your voices up. Thank them. Speak to them. If you can't speak to them in church, how are you going to speak to them when you get home? How are you going to speak to them at your job? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my health. The choices we have, the freedoms we have, the friends. The fact that I was born in America in a prosperous country. That I'm safe. Thank you, Lord. Do you have a plan for me? Do you have purposes for me? Thank you, Lord. We give you honor and glory. Have your way here. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Won't you set a fire? Yes. Won't you set a fire? Yes. Lord, we want yes. more of you. We want more of you, Lord. Stir us up. Set a fire. Set a fire, Lord. Set a fire. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be.
take your seats, but before you do, find somebody to hug, find somebody, give them a high five, tell them you love them, tell them Jesus loves you, even if everybody else thinks you're a jerk, Jesus still loves you, praise God, um, yeah, we'll bring it over. got to be ready. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if nobody else needed that. I did. Kind of have a way in life of getting sidetracked from really what's the most important thing. The Bible says you put the kingdom of God first, then everything will be added to you. You know, people say, well, you know, I don't, I can't really read the Bible. I never read it. I don't understand it. Or they get in the, uh, you know, dig down in the weeds of like a whole bunch of like deep theology and stuff. You know what? If you just remember Matthew 6, 33, I put the kingdom of God first. And then all things will be added to me. You keep it simple, right? That's all you got to do. You put God first. And life has a way of distracting us and pulling us over to the left and to the right. And, and we get all messed up. And we don't realize that, you know, one day all of us are going to stand before the Lord. And your degrees that you got in school, you know, what neighborhood you lived in. You know, uh, who liked you, you know, how many likes you had, how many followers you had on your Instagram. Like, nobody's going to care. Like, it's not going to matter. It's just going to be you and Jesus standing before the throne room of God. And that's going to be it. And it goes fast. So put God first in everything. We're going to go ahead and we're going to uh, take today's offering. And obviously, uh, today's going to be a special service for us for a 
lot of different reasons. Um, first and foremost, at the end of service, we will be doing some baptisms. So it's always a special thing when the family of God gets together and we do water baptisms. It's just such a beautiful expression of obedience. There's something that's so powerful that happens with when the person goes into that baptismal tank with the right heart. It's just, it becomes just simply, you know, it's it's amazing, it's transformative, it's powerful. And so we're going to be doing that at the end of service, so uh, if you you had, do me a favor too at the back door, if you can shut that other double door, I keep getting a cold draft. Uh, Thank you, Taylor. And so we'll be doing that at the end of service, so if you're here and you're going to get baptized, we'll kind of conclude service, I mean, uh, in a little bit, we know that, you know, I'm going to turn the reins over to Dan, so I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but if we follow the, the org chart, like, the way that things are supposed to work, we're going to do baptism at the end of service, um, so uh, you'll have a little bit of time to change, um, and then come over if you forgot a towel, we have a couple extra towels, so uh, it'll be a beautiful thing. And um, we're going to pray the Keith family out along with Dan. And and we're going to pray and we're going to give them a a, a proper send-off to their mission to go over to uh, one of the most uh, remote and poorest part of the Philippines and to establish a church there, to establish a work that what... God did here, what he started here is going to branch out and be over there and uh, and not only that it, it's going to be this place where you know hopefully in a perfect world we'll be funneling people there all the time and resources to constantly go over and build up and build up and build up and build up the kingdom of God so it, it's going to be an awesome Uh, time in the Lord. We'll take the offering today. Um, One of the things that I just wanted to kind of keep everybody in the loop on was uh, Hope's Haven, our maternity home. If you were never, uh, if you haven't been here before, kind of catty corner, um, if you walk out the church, there's there's a building there, and we're establishing a maternity home. What is a maternity home? Anyone who, any woman who's pregnant that uh, doesn't have a place to go or is in an unsafe environment or is in a bad environment, um, they can come there and they can be housed, they can have their needs met. We're going to help them get on track with their counseling and, and uh, what a- any other kind of things they're off track on, their medical appointments. And um, we have our occupancy inspection on Tuesday, and that is the final step that we need to open up the house. Now, I don't know how big the list is going to be when they go through it and they say you need this and that, but I don't think it's going to be anything super um, extensive because the place is really, really beautiful. And I know it's kind of been a long time coming, but, you know, this is an important ministry and it needs to, we need to do things on the right track. You know, I can remember I, I opened up, man, I opened up the men's home with a whole lot of faith, a whole lot, uh, not a whole lot of money, and, and just, you know, just seeing what God would do, and that place almost broke me down, right? 
it's in a healthy place now, and so we wanted to build off a solid foundation. So people have been working behind the scenes developing uh, policies. Um, you know, Debbie's here. She's going to be the leader of the house. She's been here since April, chomping at the bit, ready to ready to help some people. And um, and, and you know, and, and work's been done in that house. And we've been talking to different places who run this type of ministry, and so. It's really going to be an amazing thing, and you guys made it happen. You're giving. You're showing up every week. You're deciding to put God first. That's what makes this happen. That's what makes this ministry touch the world. Like, it's our responsibility to touch the world. You know, we sit there and we say, God, look at all this out there in the world. Look at these kids running around and committing violence. Look at these people having abortions. Look at, no, there's no family. And God's like, I did something. I died on the cross. I created you so that you can be my hands and feet. I put seed in your hands. I put, I gave you talent and abilities and resources so that you guys could have something to give and to build and that you could get together and build a church and build my kingdom on the earth. So that's what your giving's all about. Amen. Amen. They, they should have. If you would like to give electronically, there's some ways to do it up on the screen. There's a QR code on your bulletin. And uh, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in this church. Who knew that th this would be a church that would touch the world? But Lord, you knew. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all the ministries that have come out of this. Lord, we thank you for the changed lives. We thank you that our story is still being written. We thank you, Lord, even for your presence this morning. So, Lord, we just praise you and we honor you, Lord. I pray that you would bless the hands that give. And we just come into agreement according to your word that you'll multiply every seed that's sown so that the people would have an abundant harvest. They would have an abundance for every good work. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh got time for like one we got a lot of stuff to do today but I got some arrangements is there anybody who really wants to share something that God did maybe this weekend it's just kind of a little bit of a, a miracle story clay come on up brother now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the cord you may have to grab a corded microphone you need a mic you need a mic don't do that we're gonna make you do a mic Everybody gets up here and they say, we don't need a mic. And then the echo just wrecks it. Check one, two. You're going to have to come back here. Our wireless. It's not connected. Um, so we'll grab you a mic. Well, it'll work. We got a blue mic.
this on. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, this is the first time I always prepare a message. Always. Out of respect for the church and standing behind the pulpit. And this is the first time ever that I don't have anything prepared. And uh, that I apologize, but I really, really, really have to depend on God this morning. I have to depend on His grace, and I have to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to speak. And here's the crazy thing, Lord. I don't know what I should say. So let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for freedom for myself to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, come. Give me the message. Amen. So, uh, I've asked a couple guys here, like, if I don't get through this, please come up and kick me in the nuts so that I can kind of get my mind where it needs to be. I even went as far as uh, Paul, the dog trainer, I was thinking I could take one of those shock collars and put it around my leg and start going south and push buttons, but I'm going to depend on God's grace this morning. Uh, yeah, we're going to the Philippines, so everybody's saying, are you ready, are you excited, and honestly, I haven't even thought about it. I don't even know if I have a suitcase. Shelly went out and got a couple of carry-on bags, and that's, that's good enough for me. That's all I need. 
but I'm jacked up right now, guys. I really am. You know, first off, I love all you guys. As you may know by now, shame on you. And then my family starts showing up, and that just messes me up. Y'all know the curse passes frequently, and I really want to dedicate this service to him and share his life. This week started out difficult uh, because everybody knows about Kirk, right? We went home to be with the Lord on Tuesday at about 1.30 in the afternoon. But I got a call, uh, I got a call, uh, Monday morning at, uh, well, let me back up. There's this guy. Some of you guys know him, some of you guys don't, but <clears throat> my daughter's sitting over here, and she's not my biological daughter, but she's my daughter. I love her. She's, she's just the apple of my eye. As a matter of fact, up as a worship leader here, Kate and Johnny were the worship leaders, and I remember Trey, when they were raising him up, he would stand up here like this, and I kept asking him, what's up with the handcuffs, man? He said, what do you mean? I said, you, you act like you got these handcuffs on behind you. I said, you need to be set free, and I look at where Trey was, and I look at where he's at today, and man, you talk about God's mercy, God's grace, it's all over that young There's this guy, uh, there's this guy I know, his name's Tom Worry, and uh, he and I go way back. We grew up together, and when I was about 14 years old, I began to work for his dad as a painter, and so Tom was a little bit younger than me, so we worked together. So I'm talking from the time I was 14 years old growing up, and then I left town you know, there's a period of time to where I was out of town and I came back and uh, some stuff happened. I won't get into it. Uh, <laughs> some of you know my story, but Tom, he's just an awesome guy. But nobody, like, nobody really liked Tom, except the people who knew Tom. Like, people would come to me all the time and say, how can you work with that? I'll let you finish your sentence. And because everybody found it difficult to work with Tom because he would speak with, like, he was missing this filter in his brain. Whatever he was thinking, it came out. And, uh, but see, nobody took time to get to know Tom. Nobody took time to see what was in his heart. Nobody took time to understand the hurts and the pains that he went through in his life. And uh, I guess God chose me to walk through that season with him. So Tom and I worked together many, many, many years doing construction together. And right before I got married, I told him I'm going to back out of the construction field and, uh, you know, get married to Shelly. So I'm going to dedicate some time to the daycare and fix stuff. And so that was kind of a, a difficult separation point for us. But every morning we would meet down 
on Eighth Street and have coffee together in the parking lot. We get our day established, figure out who's doing what, where we're going, what we're fixing. And so we still did that, like even after we split up. And, you know, I, I have a relationship with Tom that I desire to see this church have a relationship with each other. And what their relationship looks like is, do we live like this? And so if I have it, if I own it, it's yours. Because I don't own anything. So if you need it, it's there. That's what true relationship is about. <clears throat> and Tom and I rolled like that the whole time we were together. I didn't own anything. He didn't own anything. We were like this. So to get back on track here, Monday morning at 3.15 in the morning, my phone rings, and uh, which isn't uncommon. Ask my wife. And I do what I always do. The first thing I do is I put it on speakerphone for the protection of my marriage. And uh, a female voice, and I thought, well, I'm glad I got it on speakerphone. And uh, it was my daughter, Kate. And she said, are you sitting down? I said, no. I'm actually laying down. I'm supposed to be sleeping, remember? And she said, well, I got some news. And I said, what's that? She said, my dad just passed. I said, you mean your grandfather? She said, no, Tom, the guy you worked with all these years. He had a massive heart attack last month. That was a difficult time. And so I got up and I put my boots on and like, what am I going to do? Now, I would, under normal circumstances, find out where he's at and I would go try to raise him from the dead. But Tom was done. He lost his wife to cancer years ago, and he never really bounced back from that. Every day, there wasn't a day that passed that he wouldn't talk about looking forward to that day that he would be with his wife and Jesus. And I want to share something with you guys and maybe help you a little bit if you've lost somebody days of late or if you're going through difficult times. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, in God's time, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And I was sitting there with Tom, and I asked him to do the math on that, because it was just too complex for me. You've got to get common variables on each side of the equation, and my head just starts blowing up. So one day I was at the hospital with Kurt, and I thought, ah, i got some time all day long, dude. Like, so here's what it comes down to. One minute in heaven is equivalent to seven years on earth. Now let's go back and look at the scripture. In heaven, there's no more weeping, there's no more tears, there's no mourning. And I could never figure out, like, how can I, if I die and even go to heaven, all these people that I love, how can I be okay being separated from all this? I never understood that. And I've heard messages, well, you know, brother, you're before the glory of the Lord. And it's like, give me a break, man. These are people that I love. These are people that I care about. But God's got it covered. So max, 10 minutes in heaven is equivalent to 70 years on earth. 
That's why in heaven there's no more weeping, there's no more tears. Because they don't have time to miss it. And I shared that with Tom. I said, so, you know, your wife, you know, in heaven's time, it's only been like a couple minutes, not even. And his response was, well, good for her. <laughs> I loved Tom, and I was going through my pictures this morning. Most of you don't know Tom. Tom Gallagher knows Tom. Pastor Rick knows Tom. Uh, but I pulled a picture up this morning because Tom never came to church. And my desire this morning was I was going to come unleashed up here. It's like I've always given you guys this much of me when I preach. And this morning, I was going to let it all hang out. And this morning, I'm just, I'm broke. i got to be honest with you. Uh, but I was talking to Tom, and he said, so, last time preaching, right? And I said, yep. He looked at me, and Tom knows me from back in the day. He said, you're going to let it all hang out? And I said, yep. And he said, you know what? I may show up. That would have been the first time that Tom walked into this church for church. But the picture that I pulled up, it was February of 2020. Tom was down in the kitchen helping me tear out a bulkhead down in the fellowship hall. Although he never came to church, he was in this building multiple times helping me fix something in this church. So I just wanted to share that story for two reasons. Number one, he deserves the respect and honor. And I loved him. The second reason I want to share that story is because that's how my Monday started. And you try to process this stuff. I mean, I was happy for Tom. Finally, 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 he gets to be with his wife. He gets to be in front of Jesus. But I didn't have time to process anything. Uh, my head was spinning. My head was numb. I knew I had to be strong for my daughter. And uh, I went up to see Kurt up at the villa like I always do. And uh, <clears throat> many of you know that he was up there. They sent him to the ER and this was all designed by his primary care physician. He said, yeah, bring him in. We'll send him to the emergency room, and then, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what to do because the doc knew he was bad. So I took Kurt to the emergency room. They kept him for less than 24 hours, and they took him up to the villa. And uh, about, I think it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, something was, went south with Kurt. And uh, basically, the, uh, one of the head nurses yanked me out in the hall. And they said, look, you got to make a decision. We either have to get him to an emergency room or we have to start end-of-life treatment. I said, well, maybe get some oxygen on him so I could talk with him and see what he wants to do. So, I don't want to get too far in this message and then come to the end, I don't get this accomplished. Kurt's daughter's name is Tracy Price. 
her husband's name is Chris. And Kirk's grandson, his name is Austin. Everybody in here that knew Kirk loved him. And I don't believe that that love should stop with Kirk. I believe that love should be extended to his family. And I don't know how you all feel about that. I, I am the way I always am. I don't really care how you feel about all that. All I know is what God's put on my heart. So what I'm going to do is uh, I think it's important that we continue to be there for Kirk's family. Now, whether you want to be part of that or not, that's totally up to you. I don't want to guilt anybody, but please, if you happen to put your name and number down, be real about it. You know, and if it's not in your heart, don't do it. I still love you. It doesn't matter. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass around a, a notebook on this side and a notebook on this side. And if you all want to be remain part of their life, do me a favor, just put your name and your phone number down. And that way at least this family knows that there's people that not only love Kirk, but we also love them. So I'll start this over here with Pastor Rick. And then I got another one over here. I'll start with Kim. So anyway, let me get back on track with Kurt. I wanted to do that now because if I wait till the end, then it'll never happen. And I didn't want to say, hey, I got a sign-up sheet in the back, and you guys could do that uh, because that never works out too well. So they finally got brought Kurt back to where he could communicate, and uh, I explained everything to him. Uh, I had talked with the nurse. They told me the direction it was going to go if I did send him an emergency room which was going to require tubes and all this stuff. And so I explained it to Kirk, and he said, what do you think? I said, well, I think we should do whatever you want to do. And I looked at him, and I said, are you feeling lucky? <laughs> so he, there, there was two conditions. Number one, he agreed to go on end-of-life treatment. But the agreement was, if his vitals came up through the night, I would pull him off of end-of-life treatment so, you know, he could live. And the second stipulation was, he didn't want to be alone. And he said, he said, will you stay with me? I said, I ain't going nowhere, buddy. I'll be here with you. I'm dealing with my best buddy in the whole world. Monday morning. This happened Monday afternoon. So my head's not right. And I'm thinking, well... I don't really plan on this. You know, a lot of people talk about inconveniences in our lives. I want to tell you something. You take a step back, and the question that I have for you is, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? You see, because if you've given that life to Jesus Christ, you don't have a life anymore. 
So you can never make the statement, this isn't fair, that isn't fair. If I take you and, and show you a person in a casket, and I say, is that fair? Do you think that person cares? And no, that person's dead. That's the way our lives are supposed to look. Inconvenience doesn't matter because it's not my life. And listen, guys, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Please don't think I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from that level. Out of everybody here, I'm broken. I'm humble. Because I didn't plan on any of this happening, we were supposed to meet Rose and Brian at 6 o'clock at the daycare to make plans for this trip to the Philippines. So I called Shelly. She knows my voice. Hey, babe. <laughs> she said, what's wrong? And I said, well, uh, some unexpected things come up. And uh, this is what's going on. I said, I need two things. I need a phone charger and I need a Bible. She said, all right, I'll take care of it. So... Ryan just happens to bring the phone charger and the Bible up. And uh, I guess Shelly had already expressed to him what happened Monday morning and me losing my buddy. And uh, Brian walked in, he looked at me, he looked at Kurt, and he said, I'll be right back. And he went out and he was on his phone. He came back in, and I said, who'd, who'd you have to call? He called a family member to come pick up Rose and the kids from the daycare to take him back to West Virginia so that he could spend a night with me and Kurt. I know he didn't plan on doing that when he got up in the morning. I know his wife didn't expect that. And Brian didn't have to do that. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm so, so grateful that he was there. Because in the course of this quote-unquote end-of-life medication, Kurt would get violently sick, and they had an oxygen mask on him, and we, we were a little bit busy, to say the least. So they come in, and they begin to administer this medication. I want to go back a year and a half before I go any further. About a year and a half ago, Kurt had to have his first, first surgery on his leg. They were taking veins out of this leg to put them in this leg. I took him in there for the surgery. We were riding on the elevator. I happened to glance over at him. He looked at me, and I said, what's up, buddy? He said, I don't want to do this. I said, well, it sucks to be you, don't it? I said, what do you mean? He said, I know I have to do this, but I don't want to do this. And I said, oh, I understand. I said, so now life is all about you, right? And he says, what do you mean? I said, Kurt, you're going to be in an environment with doctors, surgeons, nurses, anesthesiologists. And guess what? They all need Jesus. And he looked at me and he said, I never thought of that. And I said, I know. I said, that's because you're selfish. You're all about yourself. 
So from that day forward, as a matter of fact, that surgery, when it was okay for me to go back, uh, there were seven doctors, nurses, seven people in that room with him. And so I went in, he introduced me to all of them, blah, blah, blah. And he said, hey, before any of you guys go, Dan's going to pray for you. And I'm like, man, I can't get ahead of this guy. He just laid it all back on me. But it opened the door. It created an environment to where I had an opportunity of speaking into these people's lives to where I couldn't have. And from that day forward, no matter where I took Kirk, he was always sharing Jesus. Because he realized it wasn't about what was going wrong with his body. It was about who lived in on the inside of him and the plan that God had for his life and the mission that God had for him. And I told him, I said, look, dude, I said, you're old. You're older than me. Anybody older than me that is old. I said, but here's the cool part about getting old. The Bible calls this a race. We're in this race, right? <clears throat> and with any race, I don't care if it's a long marathon or if it's a short race, you come towards the end of that race and you see the finish line. And what does every runner do when they see that finish line? Man, they give it everything they got. And I told Kurt, you could look at young people and tell them, you don't have to try to keep up. And honestly, I don't think anybody could have kept up. Because that guy literally, no matter where we went, he would share the love of Jesus. I'm usually the one that gets in trouble. I'm taking this 80-year-old guy with me, and I get to sit back and watch him get in trouble. It was an awesome thing. So anyway, I want to get back on track. So the nurses come in. I'm sorry I'm all over the page, but I'm, I'm, I'm just really trying here. The nurses come back in, and... Uh, they give him this, this stuff, and they said, uh, he'll be okay. He'll rest now. And I said, well, <laughs> you're under life medication. When you say you'll rest now, like, well, exactly what does that mean? Help me out here a little bit. Or, you know, and she said, no, he'll, he'll just, you know, he'll be peaceful. He'll rest. He'll fall asleep for a while. He'll wake up. We'll administer. Uh, okay. So I got the protocol now, right? So she said about 10 to 20 minutes, he'll settle down. All right. So you give him this dose of medication. And Brian's on one side of him. I'm on the other side of him. The dude never stopped. Instead of him mellowing out, he got more intense. And I'm looking at Brian like, I don't know what to do about this. So I said, hey, man, let's, let's pray the peace of God over this guy's life. So I said, hey, Kurt, we're going to pray for you. You all right with that? And he's like, yeah. So he grabs my hand, he grabs Brian's hand, and we're just praying the peace of God over him. God, just give him peace. Let him, let him chill. Let him relax. And as we're praying for Kurt, he's squeezing our hand. We're like, pretty good grip for an old man. So I pray. Brian prays, in the name of Jesus, amen. But he's still hanging on to our hands. So I'm just looking at him, I say, you all right, buddy? He said, no, I'm going to pray. Okay. Fifteen minutes later, he gets done with his prayer. And I'm not exaggerating. And he's still hanging on to our hand. I don't know what to do. 
I'm looking at Brian, he's looking at me, I'm like, I don't know. After he gets done praying for 15 minutes, he goes on to prophesy for 5 to 10 minutes. He's prophesying about the Philippines, and he gave a prophetic word for this church. Don't mess with the old people. That's a prophetic word. So, I'm just looking at him like this guy, like even the nurses said his oxygen level got down to 40 some percent. And they said he shouldn't even, he shouldn't even be able to talk. And the guy's laying there prophesying. Somewhere in the course of the night, he looked at me, and every once in a while he'd wake up, and either Brian was sitting there or I was sitting there. We never left his side. Every once in a while, he'd reach out. He wanted that hand to hold on to. And one of us is there at all times. Somewhere in the course of the night, grabbed my hand and he looked at me and he said I finally did it okay I said what you do buddy he said I finally gave my whole heart to Jesus I said yeah you did I said, I guess you got born again again, didn't you? He said, yep. And I said, ain't no doubt in my mind you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because you, you was prophesying like a maniac. He said, yeah, but I ain't never spoken them tongues yet. I said, something tells me you will be pretty soon, buddy. The next morning, I didn't know what to do. I called Clay because I knew he gets up early. Clay actually stopped on the way to work, and I said, "Man, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I should do here." I said, "Should I call people or should I?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Let people know." So I sent out a text message, and if I didn't text you, I'm sorry, but I'm a little off my game. When they decided to put Kirk on end-of-life end medication, this is a very important part. There's only so many nurses that work on that ward. They had to put him in a dementia ward because the ward he was supposed to go in, they had COVID and they didn't want to take him up there and uh, him perhaps getting COVID. Uh, so, <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, <laughs> so when they decided to put him on end of life, like I've been there, I've, they. They, I think he went in there Thursday, so Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is, so I got five days up there, and I'm kind of getting to know the nurses and the faces and all that. And I'm kind of understanding that there's so many nurses and there's a lot of patients. And Well, when they decided to put them on end of life, here's the crazy thing. Uh, I was standing out, out in the hall, 
and all these nurses started going in, which I get it, you know, they're kind of getting them ready. And, but then more nurses come in and more nurses come in and more nurses come in. I'm like, where the heck are all these nurses coming in from? And I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? So I, I peek in the room. These gals are climbing in bed with Kirk. I'm not exaggerating. They were climbing in bed with him and holding him. And every one of them that walked out of that room, they were shattered, they were broken. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, where are all these people coming from? Like I didn't, I didn't see any of these people. And it didn't, it didn't add up, it didn't make sense to me. So finally the last gal to come out before they start giving medication, she worked on that floor. And I said, come on over here, I need to talk to you. And I said, a couple things I don't understand here. I said, where did all these people come from? And she said, oh, most of those nurses were from the next floor up when Kurt was here last month. They came down when they heard he was here going on on the light. Okay, that makes sense to me. Now here's the big question. Y'all do this for a living. You gotta have thick skin because you've escorted many people into death. I said, that's the part I'm not getting. And she said, you don't, you don't understand. Yes, we have thick skin. But nobody has ever touched us the way Kirk has. She said, every one of those women that went in there, he shared Jesus with and he prayed with and he prayed for. And she said, even some of those even came to Christ. So here's a broken down old man winning souls. I'm sorry, guys. So I sent a text out early that morning and uh, Man, people just started showing up. And they didn't just show up and leave. Like people were showing up and staying. And I think at one time we had 10 to 15 people in that room. And it's not a very big room. Surrounding Kurt, praying for him, singing over him. And there was some big wig doctor and nurse, I don't know what she was. She wasn't even from the villa. She had UPMC tag hanging off of her. So she had to come in and call the shots and everything. And she walked in. She said, what's with all the people? She said, is this family? And I said, yeah. I said, we all got the same dad. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me. And I said, don't worry about it. So she gave opinions and viewpoints, and she said, look, he could, he could like, I'm not going to put a time limit on it. It could be six days. It could be six months. I'm out of here on Wednesday, guys, and I made this man a promise that I would stay by his side. It's like, Houston, I got a problem here. And I hadn't slept 
for quite a while. My head was spinning. So she did her assessment. She left. And uh, one by one, people were leaving. And at this time, Kurt was kind of unresponsive. And I think it was John Armstrong who was sitting there holding his hand. And he said, bye, Kurt. We'll see you. And I think at that time, Kurt raised his hand up like he acknowledged everybody being there. But later on that day, uh, Brian, of course, was still there. Pastor Rick come in. And uh, as we were sitting there, uh, Pastor Rick prayed. We, you know, it's weird because it was almost like Kurt was waiting for Pastor Rick to show up. And he wasn't letting go until this man of God showed up. And I was watching his breathing all night long. I stole one of those, what do you call, oxygen O2 sensors. I stole one off of the nurse's pocket. And I was keeping track on him all night long, just watching his vitals. And uh, Pastor Rick shows up. We prayed for him. And uh, that was it. Kurt went home to be with the Lord. Look over, Pastor Rick's crying. Look over, Brian's crying. And I'm thinking, I don't, like, that was a double hitter for me in, in just in a couple of days. And, uh, you know, the Bible says laughter is over medicine. So I looked at Pastor Rick and I said, hey, buddy, can you do me one favor? He said, yeah, Dan, anything you need. I said, if I'm ever in a hospital, please don't pray for me. I wish I could say the story ends there, but it doesn't because uh, there was just a lot of stuff to be done, and I cleaned out the room, and I forgot my phone charger, so I went back in there to get that, and as I went out to my truck, I heard this voice, hey, hey, and I turned around, well, here it was this uh, doctor or nurse or whatever she was, and I turned around, I walked over, she said, hey, I want to tell you how sorry I am, she said, that was really quick, and I said, yeah, I, I didn't really see that coming. And uh, she said, well, obviously that man made a big impression on a lot of people. And we kind of had a few words when we were in there. And I said, you know, I'm sure doing what you do for a living, you hear a lot of people talk about faith. And I said, but where I come from, we live faith. And we had a conversation about that. And I said, you don't understand the magnitude of it. I said, do you realize that all the people that were in that room, including myself, I said, none of us was a blood relative to Kurt? She said, what do you mean? I said, this is his church family. She said, I've never seen that in all the years that I've been doing this. Man, I just want to thank you guys like for being there and being part of that. And uh, I know it meant a lot to Kurt. And it doesn't stop, man. Like, I got so many phone calls after the fact. Uh, there's a gal here named McCall. Uh, she was Kurt's favorite nurse. Kurt's on his deathbed, we were talking about the appointment that he's supposed to have the next day after he passed, which was actually his birthday, 
he would have been 81 years old. And he told me to tell him to call back. But the deal was we were supposed to take birthday cake in to that the people that worked at that particular office. It was a surgeon. And uh, I didn't know if I'd be able to see McCall or Dr. Straka. And I went there and I went to the window and I told the gal, I says, hey, look, I got like a, a weird request. I said, I need to see McCall or Dr. Straka. And she said, well, they're busy. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'll, I'll be over in the seat there. And if it takes all day long, I'll still be over in the seat. And I no sooner got to the seat and I saw McCall coming through the hall. And she was already a mess, which put me in a mess. So I couldn't even really talk that much. And McCall, thank you so much for showing up today. He loved you, and I'm not exaggerating. You were like, you were the top of it. You really were. Between the doctors and the nurses that have called me after the fact, uh, there was one nurse who came in, only spent like half hour, 45 minutes with Kurt, and uh, she called me crying. And I said, are you all right? She said, I just want to express, express my condolences. And I said, well, thank you. She said, I don't know what it is about you guys but there's something different about you. And I said, oh, we're different. We go to that church. <laughs> she said, no, there's something that you guys got. And I said, yeah, I know. I do know this. Right now, Kurt is in heaven. He's rejoicing. I know I went over a little bit, but man, I gotta, if you gotta leave, go home. It's all good. Uh, I asked Kurt, because I never asked him before. And one of the main reasons Kurt came to this church is because of the church that he was going to, they would never do altar calls. And uh, it wasn't like a doctrinal thing. It was a love thing that Kurt had. Like a dummy, I asked Kurt, what's your favorite scripture? And I felt like an idiot when he told it to me. Like, after all this I've been through, and he's, he looked at me and he said, it's John 3.16. And some of you don't know what that is, but it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This message that I give you, this message that I'm sharing with you, I see some new faces here today, and I'm going to be honest with you, like, this whole thing is about love. 
this whole thing is about God wants this church to be like this. And the prophetic word that Kirk spoke was that this church, that new hope, we're going to go from being that church to being this church. But here's the problem with that. That's going to cost you. Now, I'm out of here on Wednesday. I'll be gone one to six months. I don't know. I'll know when I get there. But if we become this church, it's going to cost each and every one of you. And things have to change. I don't mean to be mean, but I'm just going to call it out, guys. Y'all know who Shelly is. That's the most awesome woman on the planet Earth. And she tolerates me because there's such a grace in her life. And I want you all to watch after Shelly. And that's the answer I get. You got it. You got it. You got it. Dave and Val, can you stand up? How long y'all been coming to this church? Okay, you can sit down. Can I ask you guys a question? As a show of hands, how many of you have Dave and Val's phone number? So here's the issue I contend with. When I hear people say, don't worry about it, I'll watch over her. Paul and Annette, can you stand up? How long have you guys been coming here? Okay, sit down. How many of you guys have their phone number? A little bit better. See, this is the part that sucks. And, and pardon my preaching language, but I'm not going to stand up here and blow smoke up your butts. We want to be this church, but this kind of church costs us. And there's no reason why there shouldn't be a whole lot of people that got these people's phone numbers. And I hear people say, oh, keep an eye on Shelly. I struggle with that. But Shelly's been running a Bible study at the daycare for about a month now. Val's been teaching her. How many of you women have attended that Bible study? Mm, 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 mm. Get up off me and let me preach here a little bit now. You can't tell me that you got my back. You can't tell me you love me. 
sorry. The book of James says, faith without works is dead. Sometimes I have a hard time playing church. How many uh, Friday and Saturday Kevin Reardon was here? Man, we had a we had a blowout. It was intense. It was awesome. How many of y'all are here? Look around. I'm not angry, guys. I'm hurt. My heart's breaking. A lot of a lot of y'all saw me crying this morning, and it's because number one, my family shows up. That messed me up. Number two, I took a double hit this week. But the biggest thing is, is I'm trying to rebound from the things that I've been encountering. Please, please, please. Please. When Rose and Brian went to the Philippines last time, we had a gray container up here for uh, medicine. Do you guys remember that? And we put medicine in there. It never showed up. Somebody dropped the ball. And here's the problem, out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, in the course of putting new water in a baptismal, I'm going through the, oh, there's an open bottle of Tylenol. Here's another open bottle of Tylenol. And I'm going to ask you guys, please don't forget about it. Sometimes we have to practice what we preach. And I love you guys enough to be honest with you. And you can hate me if you want, but that's okay. You've got to take them under a good line. But I'm just being honest with you. What does it take for this unconditional love? It costs you everything you got. The salvation message, I'm so tired of hearing it's a free gift of salvation. No, it isn't. It cost me everything I have. It cost you your life. If you're totally sold out to the message, it cost you your life. And here's the crazy thing. In Romans chapter 12, it says, we've each been given a measure of faith. And the Bible says that we've been saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God, not by works that no man can boast. So the faith that it takes to receive salvation, the grace that's needed for salvation. Do you realize it takes more faith to get saved than it does to raise the dead? Let me say it again. You didn't get it. It takes more faith to receive salvation than it does to raise the dead. And I could prove it to you. So here we go, gospel message. This man named Jesus, he made the ultimate sacrifice because only the righteous inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you can't get to heaven. You have to have the same equivalent righteousness as God himself. And we have all missed the mark. None of us in here can attain that. 
God gave his son not only to take the punishment for our sin, but also to make us the righteousness of God. The Bible says he who knew, knew no sin became sin for us so that through him, through Jesus Christ, we would become the righteousness of God. Only the righteous inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it only costs you one thing. Giving it all to him. Receiving him. There's a lot in here that think you're saved. There's some of you in here come from different churches, different religious backgrounds, different belief systems. I'm sharing the word of God. This is what the Bible says. I don't care what Bible you use. Give me a Catholic Bible. I'll preach and teach the same message. It don't matter. But at the end of the day, there's only one way to heaven. And that this is a selfish message. Because if I preach, there's only one way to heaven. And when you die, it's all about getting to heaven. That's pretty selfish. But when you realize it ain't about dying and going to heaven, is it? It's about living and let heaven come into you through soft running in the name of Jesus. Your father doesn't see you the way people see you. Your father in heaven doesn't see you the way people see you. He wants you to be set free from the way you see yourself in the mirror. It's his desire for you to look in the mirror and see Jesus. So, Father, I ask that his mind would be set free. That his identity would not come out of his music, but his identity would come out of sonship. Father, give him the grace to stop, stop running and pursue you with everything that he has. I speak freedom into your life. But if you will stay holy, you'll never come free. Here's the question. Some of us think that we have some form of religion and that's going to get us into heaven, and it's not. Some of us think that because we go to this church, I'm okay. You guys got it wrong. But at the end of the day, there's no other name by which a person will be saved except the name of Jesus. And this whole love thing that I'm talking about, like I'm, I'm getting, I guess I'm getting kind of hard towards some people. Like this is, this, is, this is the most awesome woman on earth. And when everybody says they got my back, I'm going to call you out. When 
I got a man of God and a woman of God that's like they're more qualified than I am. They've stood as pastors at a church. He's the pastor over in the county jail. Why don't we have his number? Why aren't we drawing on him? Why are we not loving these guys? I can't take back the prophetic word that Kirk spoke before he died. And he said, this is no longer that church, but it's going to be this church. I don't know how that works. I don't even know what that looks like. But I know that it's God's will. God gave me a vision. There was two fish bowls. One was blue, one was pink. Follow me on this real quick. Uh, the blue one, every guy in here, you pass it around, write your name and phone number down, you put it in that, in that blue bowl. I'm going to throw something else. The pink one, all the women of the church write their name and number on it, stick it in the bowl. So, pass the bowl around, okay, now it comes back. I pull name out of that bowl. Oh, Tony Kramer. So for the next month, I get to make sure I call Tony at least three, four times a week and have coffee with him once a week. That's minimal. If I want to increase, that's great. But watch how this works. So Tony's my guy. Now Tony has to pick somebody out. And it's Lance. So Tony and Lance have this connection. I have this connection with Tony. And so with this connection with Tony, I kind of have a connection with Lance. But wait a minute. Somebody gets to pick my name. So if we just stop it there, that's four people. And what if you all did that for like a month? And then you sign up again and you rotate. Do you realize in a very short amount of time, you guys would know each other? You guys would be interconnected. You guys would know about the hurts and the pains. Like the stuff that I shared with you this morning, this is my heart. This is what I went through this last week. And most of you knew about Kirk. Most of you didn't know about Tom. So this was kind of a crushing week. Have at it, girl. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your grace right now. Right now. Give her grace. Give her grace. Father, I speak to this mind. The storm that's going on in the mind, I command it, be still, be silent. Every thought that does not line up with the word of God, I take authority over it now, and I cancel the mission that it's sent out to do. And I speak to that which is not of God right now. I command, come off of her, come out of her now. Out, 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 leave her now. Leave her now. Out, 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 
in the name of Jesus. Come out. Come out. Sorry, guys. So, I guess that's what we're going to be doing every day over there, right? As a matter of fact, there's a, a, there's a young lady. Her name is Divine, before I forget. Uh, she home? She dead? What? So, when you say she went home, do you mean she went home? Okay, she went home. Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. So here we go. This love that I'm talking about, it costs you everything. It's not halfway. Like I can't just love this woman and say, yeah, I love God. give my heart to Shelly. It means there's no other woman in my life. And what God wants today is for you to give your heart to him. Because there's nothing else in your life. Some of you think you've done that. But I promise you, you haven't. So, I'm not at all about about putting people on a spot. I don't know if you all notice that or not. But I got like the 10th spiritual gift. I like to stir the pot. So at this stage, everybody says, you know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't roll that way. I don't do that. But if there's anybody, anybody, anybody in here today that has not received Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life, not just Savior, like many of y'all have, have received Jesus as your Savior, but you haven't stepped into that lordship because you're still running your own life. You see, in order to have a church like this, it has to be through the lordship of Jesus. And one of the reasons why we don't raise the dead is this. We have the faith to raise the dead, but the reason we don't raise the dead is because you can't hit the ball unless you swing the bat. That's what God has called this church to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. <laughs> Imagine that, huh? It's just like I told that doctor, we're not one of these churches. We actually walk in faith. So my question is, is this love walk, Being like this, you can't be like this with each other unless you're like this with him. And it ain't about religion at all. I was raised Catholic. I went to this church, this church, this church. And finally one day I got a revelation. It ain't about none of that. It's about having a true relationship with him, making him the Lord of my life. In a minute here, we're going to do water baptisms. I guess I'm going in the water just the way I am, like I always do. But water baptism is a sign 
of what happens when a person gets saved. You're buried with Christ. You go underwater. And then you're raised to righteousness just the same way Jesus came out of that grave. That sin nature stays in the water. When you receive Jesus Christ, you're no longer a slave to that sin nature. So my question this morning, is there anybody, anybody, anybody? John 3.16 is his favorite scripture. And there's no way that I could do a service for Kurt and not give him an altar call. There's no possible way. So I'm going to tell you this. Every head up, every eye open. Because I'm just that kind of a guy, and that's the way Kirk is. Is there anybody here today that has not taken that step and would like to take it today? Glory to God. Y'all that raise your hands, I'm going to ask you to come up to the front, and I want <clears throat> I want Pastor Rick to pray with you. God's gracious has been here for me to get through this message. one other thing that I want to share. Those of you that are getting baptized in water today, know and understand, you go under that water, that represents you're dying to that sin nature, which means when you come out of that water, you're raised in the righteousness, which means your life is never going to be the same. And if you don't have an expectation, if you don't have an anticipation for that, then you're just going through a religious ritual and my suggestion to you is if you're just going through the motions, don't go through it at all because you're not ready for that. But I promise you this, I promise you, the people that get baptized today, your life will never be the same. And I don't care, like maybe this is all new to you, maybe this is new revelation. Well, if I'm going in that tub fully clothed, guess what, so can you. It ain't going to hurt nobody. If it don't hurt a short, fat, bald guy, it ain't going to hurt you. So don't be shy. So I'm going to ask one more time. Because the Holy Spirit won't let this go. And I don't think it's because Kurt was so intense on salvation or the altar call. I'm actually sensing in my heart that, that the Holy Spirit is calling some of you now. My buddy Tom was 60 years old. I did not see that one coming. There's no guarantees for tomorrow. So I'm going to ask one more time, if there's anybody here that needs to get things right with Jesus, please raise your hand. I'm going to ask you guys to step out and come to the front. I'm really messing things up, ain't I, buddy?
Don't be shy. Come on up. If you raise your hand, come on up. You know, one of the reasons I'm turning this over to Pastor Rick is because I know there's a portion of grace that's on me right now, but I really got to pee really bad, too, so I'm going to let him handle it.
My name is Christian, and um, so I came to the seminar yesterday. Uh, so all I have to say is uh, my entire life, it's just been um, living in a bunch of slavery, never felt like I had ever control over anything. Um, and I honestly have never, uh, I thought I knew what love was all my life, but I, I can say yesterday was the first time that I ever felt truly free. And uh, Dan invited me to this church this morning, and this is the most love that I have ever felt. And I am in calling on Jesus' name is the most positive and lo most love that I have ever felt in my entire life. And I just feel free and I'm ready to give it, give it all to Jesus right now. So, Wendy, why don't you tell everybody why you want to be baptized? I've dealt with um, a lot of trials and tribulations in life, and I think this is going to be the best for my relationship with God to wash away the hurts and the resentments and letting go of some of the bigger things that a couple people know about that is going on in a remix. baptized because I didn't live the best life and I want to bring myself closer to God and live for him and I want to wash away my past start a new life this man
of years I straddled the fence, and I believe I want to rededicate myself to Christ our God. Lord, in the mighty aspect. And everybody here that got baptized, when I got baptized by Dan, he asked me, how did I feel? And, and it's different. And everybody that's getting baptized here today is going to need you for your support. Because everything tastes different, smells different, and you look at things different. So these people are going to need your help to get them through. I want to get baptized. The old me has to die. I got baptized 20 years ago and I just got wet. The old me comes in between like my relationship with God. I hold on to things. I just want to let go. I want to come up a new person.
Let's see. 